Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who are able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. this episode, I interview Devin Moody Graham. She is an international business strategist, serial entrepreneur, and chief solutions officer of CEO Mom Empire, an organization that focuses on women's business development. She is based in St. Louis, Missouri. In our conversation, Devin and I discuss her experience operating a brewery, and the lessons she learned while she was there, how being the youngest in a big family was a hidden advantage for her, and Devin shares a step-by-step business plan for creating a service-based business. So go ahead, tuck in, and get ready for this new episode of Black Gold Podcast. So it's CEO Mom, and the other thing, you've launched it now, haven't you? Yeah, Area. so CEO Mom Empire is my strategic consulting firm. And then Bubble Mate is ballet laundry service. Yeah, I'm excited, super excited about it. So yeah, it's launched now. That's nice. So when did you start Bubble Mate? Last time we talked, I think it was, you were starting it like, like end of February. Is that... Yes, I did launch it then. It's been a long time coming. A couple of years had this idea, so I'm excited about that. Even been having some requests for expansion to new markets, but I'm not quite ready to do that yet. I am going to test it in Orlando, Florida, just to see. And yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about that. Learning a lot. Definitely learning a lot in this space. And it's all, it's trial and error. And being a smaller company, I get to pivot quickly and adjust quickly. So that's the good thing about it. You know, it's not a long process of doing it. It's like, oh, that didn't work. Let's fix it, you know. And I, that's what I love about it. So, yeah. Yeah, being small, you can make those, as you said, tiny little adjustments. So then that way it doesn't mm-hmm. require a ton of red tape to change something. Right. A little tweak right there. That's pretty cool. That's cool. And I saw on Bubblemate that you guys also offer its uh, heel repair. Is that what your, is that your dad's part of the business? Yes, it is. Yes, it is my dad. So I'm excited about that piece because there's something in that that, that hasn't been offered in this area. There are some like shoe repair delivery services that have apps or in like Chicago area. I see some in New York, but none in this area. So I'm excited about that. So right now, just a big push behind um, actually starting this weekend. I have some more help to assist with the marketing piece until that's off of my plate. So, but yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. That's really nice. Yeah. How's your son doing? He's amazing. He's actually in Memphis right now for a track meet. And he had 
we were we were at Morehouse last week visiting. So two weekends ago visiting. So that was really good. It was a good visit. Well, that's nice. Is there any, any place that he's leaning towards so far? Well, you know what? He wants, so right now, of course, with the visit to Morehouse, that, that's all he's been talking about. He still wants to visit UCLA. We want to, I, you know, it's definitely his choice. I would love for him to go to HBCU, but it's definitely it's his choice. But right now that's in the top runnings. We have a couple in-state schools we're going to visit too. So, yeah. Yeah, and you're located in Missouri, right? Yeah, in Illinois. Well, I'm in Illinois, but but where I am in Illinois is like a bridge away from Missouri. So, yeah, it's really close. Right right across the Mississippi. (laughs) Mississippi River, right across. Oh, that's nice. Where where in Illinois would he be looking to go? So, of course... I need him to visit my alma mater. So I went to University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. So um, not too far. It's further north, but south, still south of Chicago. So, yeah. That's nice. That's nice. So, yeah, um, buddy, whenever you are. I'm ready. You got your water. You got your... Let me get, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. Go get your water. And so I wanted to name it after that and so that was about three to four years ago that I decided to do that but it's so funny because that you asked that (laughs) because the first name of the group was not just a group when I was naming myself or identifying who I was I called myself the entrepreneur mother that is such a mouthful that is super long and I was like, what am I doing? But it's the, it was the process. And I decided, I said, I don't like that anymore. And so I just kind of start thinking of, with words and wanted something shorter and had CEO, CEO mom. And I'm always forever have been talking about legacy building and empire building. And so it just made sense to then, hence the company being now CEO mom empire, because I am building an empire and legacy for uh, my family. So in terms of you getting started in your business, uh, you said for 14 years, you've been in business consulting. Even previously before that, you stated that your your father and your mother, those people, and also your uh, grandmother, those they, they were all in entrepreneurship in terms of the way that they conducted themselves in business. And your father, a sugar pure man, You also have started a new venture and it is called Bubble Mate. Can you explain to the listeners what Bubble Mate is and how come you even decided to get into that niche? Laundry is something that is never ending for anyone, right? As long as we're going to be, you know, day to day, we're wearing clothes or washing clothes. And so being with a large family and knowing that I wash for seven people, weekly so I've never done washing I started to think about what solution could be created around that and it actually came from a idea that I had with one of my best friends years ago we thought about opening the laundromat and so and as things changed and shifted I knew that I didn't necessarily want to purchase or own a laundromat because this is something we thought about in college with all the geek work and geek economy going on and thinking about a way that 
people could provide a solution and make money. And then, of course, my company could make money. What would that solution be? And so looked at what their business model would look like. Like I said, gig work is popular and it's needed still today because people like their flexibility. And so after name iteration and figuring out what that model would be, came up with BubbleMate. And BubbleMate is a solution to basically help people get their time back and help others earn money while at home. So I'm excited about that process because it's as simple as them uh, placing, scheduling the order for pickup, order being picked up, washed, dried, folded, of course, and return within 24 hours. So simple business model and excited about that and what it could do for the, for really the community, for people like me who need their time back and others who want to make money. So. And so I'm curious, you said that, you know, your father, he was a, a cobbler. He is a cobbler. Your mother and grandmother, they were both cosmetologists and they was the selling their own products. Like what makes you laugh? How come you starting all these other different businesses? Like what is that drive that you have? You know what? It's it's so crazy because I, I had this conversation facilitating a cohort now with some students who are working on their businesses because I love to teach. So I, it's something else that I do. I love to teach and spread the knowledge and lessons that I've learned. And so when I think about the different types of businesses that I have, these are all different parts of my personality. I and because these aren't these aren't the only two that I have. I'm I really high functioning when it comes to a lot of things, but I have so many different facets. So I can be really I'm very creative, but I am also very analytical. But when I need to not think as much, but to have more fun, is when I dive into my fashion business because it's not it's not as much pressure. It is, it's, I get to meet people. When I think about creating solutions in the technical piece, be within my consulting and then uh, ways that I can help other people, which is all of my businesses, but a way that I can really help other people is with them getting their time back and then also helping people make money with bubble mate. So it's really just kind of looking at solutions because that's what I do. That's why, of course, I named myself the chief solutions officer because I am big on creating solutions to, to others' problems. And so, I have so many different facets or parts of my personality that each of these just kind of plays on a part of that and stuff. And we're only here once. So it's like, I want to do those things that I love to do. Try it out and see if it works. If not, try again later. Who would you say was influential in helping you uh, create businesses? Did you have any mentors specifically that you would say were do this, go here, go to this event, don't do this, make sure you follow this. What is the only one in your life that you could say that like, helped you with that, mentored you in that way? Oh, let me see. I would actually say uh, when it comes to the type of business I'm in, I didn't have mentors to start off with because I didn't know anybody that was doing what I was doing. I was able to I say I was able to connect with some people when I went back to actually for a Black alumni event in 2000. It might have been 2008, I want to say, that when I was thinking about the idea, I actually met someone who had a consulting business. It was different, but I didn't know any consultants, and I definitely didn't know any consultants that looked like me. And so she just kind of said, you know, make sure you have a contract 
make sure you describe what you're doing, pay yourself for time. And so I would say, yeah, she definitely did help with that piece. And fast forward with handling paperwork and handling my business, my dad has always been about make sure you do those things because he's been in business so long. He will make sure or just at least tell me some things that he knew about. Of course, it's technology change and things. There's a lot of things that he didn't know about on that end. But when it came to just making sure that I was creating good relationships, that I was able to really help people with what I was doing, I would say I started to later build a network. And within the last, like, four years, I probably met more people who are in similar spaces to me within, like, the St. Louis ecosystem. So that would be what I would say would it's it's a number of people. I haven't had like long-term mentors for a very long time, but in terms of helping me to start, it was a lady who was from here, but did very well in Atlanta. And she's in a take a step space now, but she did definitely help me get started with some talking points and some resources. It really helped me to own the value that I bring to others. Would you say that the people that have helped you to get there they were from varied backgrounds. And because of that, you were able to then glean individual things from each of them and then apply it to your own unique thing. Is that what you would you would say about them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I'm glad you said that. Actually, I, I left out one very important person. So actually, one of my last bosses before I started on my own, I was the owner of a Black-owned beer company right here, American Pilsner. And even working within marketing and working as his assistant, I learned so much about business. I really learned how to stand strong in these spaces where I would be the only, whether it was the only woman, the only Black woman, the only Black person, because the beer industry is a very white male-dominated industry. And so I was able to navigate in that space successfully. And I learned a lot from him because that was a space that not very few, that very many Black men were in, especially with connections and partnerships with Anheuser-Busch, which is still one of the largest brewers in the world now since MBF has purchased them. So yeah, that would, he definitely gave me a lot of insight on making sure that I had my paperwork together. And standing in who I was and standing firm in that, and that has that definitely helped me because it was a learning curve from from where I come from as far as making sure that I wasn't cheating myself and pay, making sure that you know I wasn't overworking myself and I was giving the value to people but not being taken advantage of. That's interesting. You just talked about being a part of you were the the. Uh the owner of the, the black owned the beer company. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's funny because there's a local, like Philly local to where I am, a beer company that's owned by, by, by a black guy. And he, it's like a small little brew pub kind of place that people go to, at least they, they went to it was pre COVID, but yeah. And in being the person who was the owner of this beer company from that was there anything you learned about either the process of making beer or selling beer in terms of marketing 
that you then applied specifically to your own endeavors in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Because working with so many different distributors and making those relationships and really knowing how to incentivize them because they, they run off incentives, you know, in terms of making sure that your products are on the right shelves. I learned a lot about beer. I remember I love science. So just even learning that um, a stout is actually lighter than a, a lager it was like huge because it's like, okay, it's fermented longer because you see this dark beer, you're thinking it might be heavy, but it's actually lighter, you know, when it comes to that. But I learned a lot of things. I met a lot of great people that I even still communicate communicate with today. I would definitely say it's all about relationships and that's everything. It's so important that we build relationships and keep strengthening those because we never know when we would need them. Some people I've met remember me from working with him and it's been 14 years ago now, 14, 15 years ago now since we worked together. And so that's definitely communication and building relationships is something that I hold. And I got to practice on a lot of things because I had a lot of autonomy with what I did. So I got to practice a lot with what I worked on and built out for him in in his brand. So in terms of doing that, were there any um, tools or resources you were able to then transfer over to your other business endeavors? Like, was there anything in terms of branding you were able to take away from that? Well, really big on the personal branding because people remember these names and these pretty graphics and things. But when you're building a business, especially like that, it's really about relationships. So I take that into what I do now. So when in my consulting, when I work with people, I talk about what's called the three R method where I look at relationships, resources, and revenue, because those to me are the three core things when it comes to business if you develop the right relationships maintain those you have access to other people's resources as well as you be the resource and create things of value then that ultimately positively affects your revenue so that's how i there's something around building relationships that i use heavily in what i do now that i learn with him and also making sure that you have a contract in place like it's huge I have definitely had situations where I've been taken advantage of because I was doing things before the contract was signed. And so it makes sense to always do that, to keep those things in place. Have you had any any failures in terms of creating a business and then coming into like these just brick wall problems you weren't able to get through, but then eventually found your way? Did you have any of those difficulties? Yeah, I've I've had a lot of different projects. I did have one company that I ended up not moving on. And then actually it was, yeah, one company that I ended up not moving on. And it was just uh, now in hindsight, I could probably execute something similar to it. But at that time, it was more difficult because I didn't, I didn't really know how to navigate those, the spaces of, it was around innovative fundraising to connect small businesses and nonprofits. And that's something that I know that I will look back at maybe in about two years or so when things I've gotten some other things, other wraps, because it was a great idea. It got some great feedback, but I, yeah, I did know how to really push that forward. And then, then I became pregnant with my third child and kind of pushed it, pushed it on the back burner. So I definitely will look at some ways to, to, 
go back, circle around, and and look at that. But yeah, learning lessons and projects flopping or businesses flopping is all a part of the process. Not definitely not everybody is made to be an entrepreneur. Just like, like I'm not made to be a farmer. You know, like everybody, every occupation and has its own strengths and. I think when we stay in our lane and learn from mistakes, you know, and learn lessons quickly, the, you know, the more successful we can be because we've learned those lessons. Again, it's okay to make those uh, mistakes. But yeah, I definitely have. So I remember you said in our pre-interview that you are, you have a big family and you are the youngest, right? Yes, I am the youngest of 10 siblings with, my older siblings, old enough to be my parent. It's quite a combination, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, huge family. Lots of the time, uh, I'm told that even though I'm the youngest, I usually act like I'm the oldest sometimes. I can, I can, I can see that, you know? I can, yeah. I can definitely see that. Never a dull moment. I have nieces and nephews my age and right, like right under me. I even have a nephew that's a few months older than I am. So, yeah, that's how the the flow of our family dynamic is. Yeah, and so in my family, I'm the youngest as well, of 10 as well. And so, yeah, so I also have a niece that is two years older than me because we have, have an adopted sister, and she had children before, and so there's that gap as well. So I'm like a, like a baby uncle. Anything at least that's was. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's super cool. My nephew, he calls me Auntie Cousin to be funny. So he's like, <laughs> like Auntie Cousin. A Titi Dev. You know, he's he's so funny. But yeah, he's five months older than I am. Yeah. And so being the youngest in a big family, what were some things would you say really helped you in terms of having that that drive to to do all these different endeavors to go after your your dreams in this way well you know what that's such a good question and i don't think i've ever been asked that question that was a good question i would say that because i had so much time alone i was always creating things and if i think back to elementary school i was speaking with someone on yesterday or maybe two days ago, about Bloom's Taxonomy. And so Bloom's Taxonomy, um, about the hierarchy of learning, but it's something that's not really taught in school, but it was taught in school when I was in elementary school. And when you think about, like, the different levels of knowledge, the top was creation. And so, because memorizing things, understanding, the whole understanding, the evaluation, analyzing, all of those I had done. And so... I often stay at the creating part. I know that we definitely have to analyze and evaluate, and I do that, but I love to create. So ever since I was a little girl from making up plays and stories, talking to imaginary friends, (laughs) creating a stage, I had a stage in my backyard, so I would act like I was presenting to people often. And so now I get to present on the stage, and so it was just all training, getting me ready for this point. But being the youngest, I actually, which is diff- it's funny in my dynamic, my family dynamic, because I have with my children through marriage and we have a large family. So we have five minor children. And 
I don't truly understand. I'm learning as they're growing. I'm learning the sibling dynamic because I technically, I, because of the age gap, I was, I know I was treated differently. Like I didn't have like the sibling. Oh, you can't have this. Everything was mine. I didn't share things. <laughs> I didn't have to. The closest siblings to my age were boys. So I did used to go and sneak in my brother's room. He was 10 years. He's 10 years older than I. And so I used to sneak in his room and wear his clothes when I was a t- teenager, right before he moved out the house and got got moved out and got married and all of that. But I, since I don't truly understand, I didn't really get the whole sibling rivalry, like the, oh, you know, I didn't get to have that fun. And so I'm learning that dynamic in my house. But what I would say with being the youngest, it gave me a lot of time. I didn't have to share things. So I got to use everything up and create. And I got to do mostly what I wanted to do. And that's what I continue to do <laughs> as an adult. Cause I, I don't see limits at all. I just see maybe this do it next time, but I don't see limits if it's something that I want to do. And that's how I teach my children. Sort of similar in that the, the huge age gap that then leaves mm-hmm. you. It's like they are from college when you're mm-hmm. just about to enter high school. Right. And so you have that huge age gap it's usually like by yourself my next Mm -hmm. oldest sibling is he's seven years older than I am and so there was there was that gap and so with that as you said there's a lot of time you have on your hands to yourself and in doing that what you end up finding is that your mind can take you to these crazy places (laughs) and never even like thought like can I just can I can I like like I have this thought over here. Can I then put this on the like paper and then like write it out or take a picture or draw pictures or even like, as you said, I have a ton of imaginary friends, <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that idea of finding a way to, to create. And I'd have to look that up. The blurs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause being the youngest, it is something that's, I, I love it a lot. And as you said, yeah. everything was yours <laughs> to share, right? And you can even, like, I even, yeah, I, I think I still have something of my brothers and back over here. But, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's all of those those things, those different qualities. And what's very fascinating to me is to see that in, like, in the Bible, in Scripture, you see all these different people who have uh, done these great things, the heroes of the faith, you know, like King David, mm-hmm. you have your your Jacob, you have your, uh, who else? Your Moses, huh? You have me, right? And all of them were the youngest in their in their family, mm-hmm. right? And even like King David, he was looked at as like, oh, like little baby, you go out. Take mm-hmm. care of the sheep and all that. And then, you know, like 30 years later, you're cake. But it's that idea of you being the youngest, you're out by yourself, you're out in the field, and you're just dreaming big dreams and having all these thoughts. And I think that that quality is something that you don't have to be the youngest in order to have that quality. But it's the idea of just of like having huge thoughts, thinking big. And then you're able to have that freedom to, as you said, with the resources that were your brothers and sisters know it's all here in the South, use it or or don't, you know, but 
yeah, you have a lot of that at your disposal. So it's best to use it, create something and find ways to apply it to what you have going on in your mind in order for you to, in a way, like make sense of your, your place in the world. Since you're disconnected from your, from your siblings in a way, and you also want to Mm -hmm. just find out who you are, what you're meant to do. And yeah, you just make something out of the old stuff, basically. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's, that's definitely, that's definitely it. I just thought about, Hey, I think it's a scripture. It's in Timothy. First, maybe it's first Timothy four and something. It talks about youth. It's like, dang, it's, it's a scripture that speaks to not letting people basically tell you what you can't do because you're young. I got to find that scripture, but I used to, I remember going to that scripture because I used to have a, I have a problem with ageism more than anything, because I look like as I approach 40, I don't look, I know I don't look like I'm approaching 40. I literally was just asked if I was 21 today when I was trying to use the ATM, it happened to be like near a gaming slot area. And so the lady was like, hold on, how old are you? I'm like, I'm like, oh. and she's like, oh no, I just need to make sure that you are 21 to use the ATM. It's in the gaming room. I had no idea. And so what I think about being young, a lot of times people think that of course you're not capable or you're not able to but if we could all will continue to dream like children this would be a better world people will be doing things that they love they will be as miserable yeah I I just think about that and as I get older think about the fact that we're only here for a short time and there are people who in very few years made more impact than others who were there five times that amount, right? So it's just up to us to use the years that we have and do it. And you know what it is, First Timothy and four. It, I look and I look, I said, let me look because it's let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct. Yeah, it goes on. That's the beginning. But I just wanted to mention that because I used to get so angry about that. And then, of course, the name of Via says, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. I'm going to have to bring that to the forefront of my memory. And that's something I want to give to you as well, because you are doing things that others 30 years your senior wanted to do, but they did it. So I applaud you for that. And, you know, and just want you to keep going in that. And so that that scripture, def, that wasn't for me. That was for you. But that was something that I definitely went through because I did, like, my first time I did a grocery store development, I was working on that project in my mid-20s. There were mostly older men and women. You know, they, oh, that's good. You know, but can you do this? You know, just kind of picking and poking. But it got done. The store is open. You know, but it was that piece of she's too young to be doing this or maybe maybe a bit of jealousy maybe a bit of resentment all of which had nothing to do with me (laughs) I just happened to be the target of their or as they say people deflecting or you know putting their feelings and stuff you know on me when I had nothing to do with it so don't let anybody do that to you is what I would say look as I think about lessons learned as I walk in things people didn't think that me having for children that I should be traveling out of town when my children were young. They didn't think I should be planning international conferences. I should be at home. 
but those are people who put their fears that kept them from living and doing what they wanted to do. They tried to project them onto me, but I don't take them. I have like a whole deflective, like, like I, I'm totally covered. My, my armor is, is covered because nothing that people put on me can, can stick or stay because I know that I'm walking the way the doors are open, the way guys opening these doors, they're pushing things open. I literally just wrote on my wall yesterday that I wanted two more paid speaking engagements in quarter two. Yesterday, this morning, two were booked. I am a firm believer of walking by faith, not by sight, write the vision, make it plain because I do the work and I impact people when I do it. So I stay in that vein. That's how I operate with everything I do. I make platforms for other people. And that's what I want to do until I'm no longer here. That's incredible. Yeah, you, you got you to this morning is what you said? This morning. I literally was with uh, with one of my sister friends. We were in my office and she was helping me kind of dump some, I, some things out. And I actually just texted her and she was like, I want to do that for other people. And I was like, you need to. You need to do that for other people because you're great at it. We got into the space because I felt like I was just not as organized as I needed to be. Got my space together physically. We prayed and I got to writing out everything, planning it, putting it on the wall. And then literally just wrote that. It was about what about one o'clock yesterday when I wrote that on the wall. I got a call this morning at... What was it like 10? It was like 10, 15 this morning requesting for two speaking engagements, same organization. And I'm like, what is your budget? It was just like, bam, bam. It was written down, write the vision, make the make it plain. Look, without a vision, the people perish. So I got a vision <laughs> this morning. And so, yeah, there's the other like, benefit of all of that in terms of you having the... I think that imagination or imagining having creative imagination is definitely an asset in terms of making sure that you set out on the goals that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that also in having that, and also with the whole being the youngest thing as well, Mm -hmm. that aspect of, especially like during, during COVID because I, I thank you for what you said about what I'm doing with the show. It was it was that moment that I was I was I was in school, and then our siblings were all out over the place, all over the country, all over the nation at that time. And um, one of the things that I really wanted to do was something. I just wanted to do something, something to help, something to represent, something just to to feel as if I had like a, like a, like a real use, like I was actually doing something that was worth my time instead of sitting in a room and on my, on my, on a computer hunched over, just writing out stuff for a test, some, some day line. And been wanting to start a podcast at that time, but just like, didn't know what, like, Oh, we'll start a podcast on what? I don't know. But, and it was after the George Floyd incident, I knew that I wanted to do something yeah. to focus on on the lives of lives of black people and how they lived their lives in such a way that they 
don't have that much attention, like lights put on them, but they do these incredible things behind the scenes and no one will, no one knows or that they will never even know. And I just want to just, you know, shine that light on them just, just a little bit, like half a light on them. And just let people see that like they're there behind the scenes, like building all these different industries. They are creating all of these different projects and all of these different stories and successes that no one ever really gets to see simply because they don't have a place where they can share what they've been through, what they're going through, their plans and dreams of the future all of that stuff. And so this is why I created the show. So thank you for affirming that for me today. I really needed that. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you look, I'm glad that you got on the move to do something because this is very purpose-filled. Very, very purpose-filled. Yeah. 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 So anyone who has a purpose, they can start a podcast if you want to do that. Or help someone down the street. People have something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's where that, yeah, the origin story of the show. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. So speaking of being creative and being imaginative, you mentioned earlier that you got into fashion. And previously, when we talked before, you said that you were going to to Paris during Fashion Week. And so how did that work out? What was the outcome of that event? Okay, so that event has now been postponed um, to next year because I'm going, I'm already going to Paris in June and then I'm going in September. And then the event was happening in October. It just became a lot. (laughs) So I'm actually going back to the drawing board and I'm creating a bigger team so that we can make this even better because the goal is to take these black designers, mostly from the Midwest, but we're open models are from everywhere and get them to Paris. We're also going to be working with designers in Paris, models in Paris, and really create this show that usually doesn't happen. So I wanted to take some time to plan it out more so that it can be all that it I want it to be. I hope to take that to other countries, hope to have it here as well, bring people in here from other countries and just start this movement to create platforms for designers. There's so many talented designers, you know, all across the world. And there's a lot going on in small towns and in Midwestern cities and places where only their friends and family and maybe a few in the metro area know what they're doing. But I wanted to create this international platform, especially for Black designers, for their visions to be seen um i can get so (laughs) i can style i can uh design and i love fashion because it allows people to be there themselves and i love those people who can actually sew and put those things together and i admire that i think it's so uh beautiful to be able to put something on paper and then to bring it to life so that others can wear it enjoy it and fashion is the ultimate type of expression because it's something that you're wearing all day. Nobody has to ask you about it because they see that, you know, on you. And so that's what I'm doing 
with my brand, um, under my brand, Libra Chic Fashion Geek. And I also sell items that I curate from earrings to, look, do I have anything around here? Look, from earrings, I have like pearl jackets. I'm big about accessories. I am probably going to work on an eyeglass line. Because people often talk about my glasses. I ch- I switched them up. I not as often as I used to do, but I'm starting to do it more. I love eyeglasses and I actually wear mostly cat eye glasses to pay homage to my grandmother because she wore a lot of cat eye glasses like in the forties and fifties, sixties. So yeah. Yeah. So that's great. something that I'm going around there. So in terms of your laundry service company and bubble mate that's the name of it and (laughs) in doing that do you think that those those jobs those menial task kind of jobs that those things that people would go for is that a good business to get into like if you're just starting out would you say like uh mowing a lawn or or cleaning out a garage, would you say those things are really good, like starting points for people to get into entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely. So a business, and ultimately what a business is, is a solution to a problem that somebody has. It's just up to that person to figure out who that person, I mean, who has that problem, because the person who has that problem and is willing to pay, that's where your customer lies. And so if people can create um, a solution, identify that person that it solves the problem for and someone is willing to pay for it, then they can duplicate those services and refine them. I know that for me, um, Instacart, (laughs) look, not like they need any more marketing or publicity, but that saves me so much time because I'm shopping for a large family. I'm shopping frequently. I shop weekly. I'm probably in stores maybe twice a week to avoid waste and Instacart really helps with that for me. So that's a solution. When I think about people who come in to clean, all those things, those are solutions that people can perfect and get their time back, make their lives easier, get food, you know, whatever that is. So those, all those things help and they work because they help people's lives, help them to get back to what's most important. And it also helps other people to make money on their own time and their own schedule. Yeah. So in terms of those jobs, as you said, that then it is people who are like, they're buying back that time that would be spent on like washing their clothes, sitting at the garage and also doing all these other stuff. And so it's those things, and as I just stated previously, what a business does, it's, it offers solutions to, to problems. And in doing that, what you then find is that particular people are looking for a particular solution to their problem. And so in terms of offering a particular solution, in terms of especially what in, in regards to pricing, what would you say is a good starting point for those type of of ventures for a person to price their service? Let's say if it's for uh, a car washing. So in terms of things like that, subscription-based things, they work really well. Of course, you have one-off customers, but if you can think about whatever their competitive rate is, but you definitely have to factor in 
outside of your time, your time being the biz- biggest expense, we have to factor in any products that you have to purchase. So if we were thinking about a car wash, say there was a person, you know, they lived at a house, they out, they just, they have a yard. That's it. They got a yard, a hose, and, you know, some soap and maybe a towel to dry it. So once they factor those things in, how long does it take you to wash it, you know, if they're if the person can come in during a certain time or can they make an appointment to come that's always great because they know they can get in and out or are you going to them i know i had a cousin who was very innovative and he started a mobile car wash this was like probably 25 years ago so he was doing that and now you see more of them now but he had been doing that and he had his water tub like supply in his van and the washers, and he would go to people. So, of course, people paid a premium for him to do that. What is that upsell that can make it worth, you know, someone's while? So, if someone can come to, say, I've, if I was at work all day, or my car is going to be parked somewhere all day, or come to my home, that I would definitely pay. For. So, in terms of pricing, you want to price for what it is that you're doing, the, the amount of time it's taking. And for me, I would pay, if someone was coming to wash my car at, say, at my home or at another place, say they came weekly, I would definitely, and they were hand washed, I would definitely pay, you know, $20, $20, $25 per wash plus, and then if they're vacuuming, you know, that's another upsell. So think about the time and the sprinkler, but then that upsell of of time. And then looking at competitors' prices, because they don't have to work as hard. Look at the competitors' prices, and you want to stay around competitive, but if you're offering some more value, you can definitely increase the price. I, if someone said, hey, I can wash your car t- tomorrow for, wash and vacuum your car tomorrow for $30. Okay, and I'll come to your house. Definitely come to my house to wash and vacuum my car for $30. I would do it because that they're doing it. They're completing the job, cleaning it out. If they say, hey, but if I come twice a month, I do it twice for $55 a month. So you save $5 on I definitely would, you know, because it's all about what's convenient. They say, hey, I'll come wash your car once a week for $80 or $85. So they have their money up front. You know, they're making their money and then they come. And then by the time you're washing so many cars and vacuuming, you may ask somebody else, like in building in this business model, you may ask someone else to vacuum after you're washing it out and you may be at someone's house for maybe not it wouldn't be an hour so like let's say 45 minutes because by the time you perfect this especially if you have someone else helping you then you can get that done and split it and you can do multiple in a day right so it's all about that added value and then looking at competitors prices what i would tell people in any industry yeah and it's funny you should mention even like the over time perfecting your craft and also the amount of time that is done this when first wash i assume maybe take anywhere from an hour hour 15 and then as you say 45 minutes once you get it down pat today we have a couple of like super huge pigs down that uh pig pen down over here and today a butcher came and uh, he came this morning and he came at around, he came at 10. We went down to the pen. We, we went ahead, we dispatched the pig. We then brought it up to a, 
cleaning station over here. And it took him, I kid you not, maybe an hour. And that thing was have, then we were ready to quarter it up and put it inside of the the cooler. And so it was it was just insane just to see both yes. speed and the quality <laughs> of how he was able mm-hmm. to process that animal. And so that was to me, it just blew my mind that it was because like, I because I've I've done that before a couple of times but it was just you know like once over here once over there but just to like see that idea of having a skill and watching that skill then transform over time do you have your system down pat that it takes you an hour to process that animal that was just incredible to me just like yeah. watch that this whole thing just unfold right before your eyes. It was it was wow. Yeah. And so for that, he tried just a, a fairly high uh, competitive price point for that. And so that was really kind of an interesting, like a lesson in terms of we get your skill down pat, you're then able to do it in a slight amount of time, and you can charge as much mm-hmm. as a person would would want to spend on your service because you do it, it's speed and quality. The two like impossible things yep. that like really big businesses can't do is speed and quality. They can do speed, but quality loosens. They can do quality, but you know, the speed is very slow. And so if you can do speed yep. and quality and you're small and, lean, and you're lean and you're fast. And that's another thing that you said in terms of being a small business owner, and you're able to then pivot and make changes to your projects, company, help with your clients, all that stuff, because you have that that speed and that quality. So, yeah, so that's really fascinating just to like talk it out and see there. Yeah. Yep. And that's what keeps people in business is perfecting their craft, make sure they're efficient with their expenses, their time, so that they can, you know, service more people and keep the quality up yeah well wow this has been a a good conversation with you uh today yes thank you so much thank you for having me yeah and so uh, i have another question for you and that is has there been anyone that has influenced you either historical or fictional black character that you would say has influenced in you in terms of the way that you think about things you might even consider them to be a mentor is has there been anyone like that for you oh wow yeah that's a big one let's see oh let me see when i think about maybe someone who is going into new spaces and doing things creating new markets i would have to mention oprah and it's funny because a cousin of mine she calls oprah her aunt her aunt in her own mind right so i've always respected the work that oprah has done and i me being a creator of projects me loving to create and being creative i respect that she travels into unknown or uncharted territories often from her creating and she creates platforms for other people so I would say I would say probably her. I'm I'm really I'm like we are like in that way 
course, I would love to get on the on her level or above <laughs> when it comes to creating platforms for other people. And she, because she's done that, she has created platforms for a lot of people. Listen, ooh, in the same rate, Tyler Perry has as well. He always creates platforms for other people. People, um, I know an, someone now who's an, she's an extra on one of his shows. She's down in Atlanta, and he creates platforms for hundreds and thousands of people. So people who are creating platforms, Oprah and Tyler, tons of other people, but Oprah and Tyler Perry's who I would say because I love creating platforms for other people and me taking the risk or the bigger risk with more knowledge so they won't have to and it creates a smoother path, a journey for others. So. And one last question for you, and that is if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? Okay. My message would be, okay, let's see. Look at me. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Wait a minute. Okay, so if I had the ability to send a worldwide text, it would say, dream big, don't stop. If you fall, get back up. Why would that be your your message? because not everyone is going to start a business. Not everyone is just waking up to change and solve life's problems or the world's problems, but everyone feels down sometimes and everyone is called to a higher purpose in their own right. And so when things get rough, I would tell them to dream big in their own right to, but don't stop. And if they fall, keep going because lots of times when people, they get so, they don't a lot some people don't have anyone to tell them that it's okay to fall. Like it's that it's okay to get back up and to keep going. It's okay if you fall to to get back up. It's not the end of the world. You didn't fail. You're here. You have another day to do it. You have more in you, in your own right or your own level. So it wouldn't be around entrepreneurship, although I love entrepreneurship and I love helping people to start things. It, that's not for everybody, but everyone has a purpose and dream in their own right. And for just to tell people to dream big in their in their own right and to move forward because the world will be happier because it because of it. If people are happier, then the world is happier. If people are doing more of what they love and being encouraged to do those things, the world is less miserable. So that's why. Well, that is a beautiful message. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your, I know, a very busy schedule to be here on the show. I really appreciate thank it. You so, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. In order for these wonderful stories of these wonderful people to go out to many other wonderful people, please make sure to subscribe to the show and to also rate the show on iTunes or on Spotify in order for more people to listen and to learn from these incredible and amazing stories. If you want to get more out of the podcast, go ahead and visit www.blackgoldpod.com where I go into detail within my MTY midweek newsletter that I deliver to you every Wednesday. And in it, I dissect different aspects of episodes. And I also share with you 
different tips and tricks you can apply to help you grow and improve as an entrepreneur. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. And remember to either find a way or make one.